and Aaron S. Lee. What a ride, it's the show for you. The radio show, if you like to swim, bike or run, or anything in the world of sport that tickles your fancy, is brought to you by Australian Broadcasting Media and Radio Sydney. On the line with me now is my partner in crime, Aaron S. Lee. Aaron, how are you doing, mate? Hey, Rue, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Man, what a great... I'm, I'm still buzzing over the weekend that was the, the start of, uh, of the cycling season 2016 with, with the Australian Road Nationals, men's and women's, and uh, under-23s, and of course across the Tasman over in New Zealand, uh, a bit of the same. Mate, what a great weekend it was in cycling. Yeah, so, yeah, it certainly was, Aaron. I mean, you know, like, obviously the summer of cycling started with the Bay Criterium Series in Victoria, but then it really kicked up a gear, didn't it, with the national championships in both sides of the Tasman. I was down there at uh, Ballarat and Buninyong uh, for, for the Aussie titles, and there was some absolutely fantastic racing. Uh, there was some great weather, and I know over there in New Zealand uh, they had some very interesting results. So it really shows that uh, down here at this uh, southeastern pocket of the world, there's a lot happening, and we're going to talk about all that. And also, speaking of the southeastern pocket of the world, uh, we've got the two down under just about to start as well. And we will be uh, talking uh, at the back end of the program about that. So this show is going to start strong, it's going to finish strong, and it's going to be pretty exciting, eh? Absolutely. Hey, and I want to find out, when you were down in, in Ballarat, did you go to Burnby? <laughs> well, I, uh, I didn't go to Burrumbeet because I've, I've left my heart in Burrumbeet, you know, as we all know. And uh, uh, But it's interesting, we were talking about Burrumbeet because, uh, you know, uh, as you know, Aaron, a couple of years back we went there. Contrary to what the taxi driver said, that no one goes to Burrumbeet. <laughs> You know, of course, this story would never translate well to radio, but I think we should somewhat tell it anyway. Um, the, the funny thing was, it was, uh, it was the time trial, and if I'm not mistaken, the time trial was first that year. It was before the criterium. Now they've got the criterium the past two years um, uh, ahead of the, of the time trials. But uh, we were running late, I believe, and we didn't have a car. But uh, anyway, I remember we were running late, and we were, we were scouring um, the metropolis downtown of Ballarat, um, looking for a taxi, and we had probably gone about two or three blocks in every single direction. And of course, that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're when you're taking, there are four directions. That's a that's a quite a lot of coverage when you're running behind. And um, it was a hot day, a hot summer's day, obviously. And we finally ran across a taxi driver sitting outside a store uh, about a block and a half up on the other side of the road. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, he was saying that no one goes to Burrumbeet. And, uh, but no, um, no, no one does. And, 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 and I've got to say, and this is probably going to get us in trouble, but there was a, there was a lady there. If I, of course, as urban legend grows, I think the lady was, she had two or three kids with her, four or five bags of groceries. I think even by now she may have even been pregnant. <laughs> You're going to dangerous territory here at the moment, but uh, I can just picture the story. It's a story that needs telling. And I remember it was coming down to her getting a ride or us getting a ride. And we were already in the car. And uh, 
I, we've just played like we just acted as though we were just oblivious to the English language because <laughs> we we were not leaving the back seat of that that car. Now, listen, folks, for you listening at home, in any other circumstances, we would have gladly have stepped out of that car. Oh, for sure, for sure. But we uh, the, the the clock was ticking. Um, and, and we were first, and we were first. Yeah, we were first. But there was no untoward tactics to get into the car first. And uh, mind you, we were pretty keen to get out of the uh, the taxi, weren't we, when we arrived? And interestingly, when as you, in the, despite the cab driver's protest that no one goes to Burrumbeet, and obviously that day a lot of people were. It's interesting to note that ever since the Nationals have never gone back to Burrumbeet. So I still picture that cab driver waiting now. He's probably waiting for that annual ride to Burrumbeet that he'll never get again. It was the year, actually, that uh, Roman Dennis was swept off his bike. Yeah, well, that's a good little segue because let's let's just give every, let's give all our listeners a chance to sort of absorb that story, and let's take a break. We're going to listen to one of your fine selections of music, but uh, mentioning Roman Dennis, uh, we're going to be speaking about him later in the show. But uh, after this quick break, a little bit of music. We're going to start talking national championships, our national championship review. You're listening to What a Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee.
listen to What A Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee. That's a nice bit of music to start the show off, Aaron. Well done, mate. You're, you've always got a good taste, and it's uh, one of the parts I like about this show is not knowing what you what music you're going to choose. So, chapeau, mate, chapeau. But uh, as I said, we're going to talk about the Australian Road Championships, um, and they were held just uh, last weekend uh, from um, January 6th to January 10. And um, the championships had we had the Criterium Championships, we had the uh, Time Trial Championships, and then the week. Cap, was capped off with the road racing championships and like I said what a week it was um, Aaron on this first segment let's just talk about the women first we'll talk about the men later in the show The uh, uh, down in Ballarat where you had the women's criterium um, and you had the under 23 uh, criterium in, in the same race um, there was an astonishing result Sophie Mackay who uh, you know, came from nowhere and uh, she out sprinted uh, Lizzie Williams from Orica AIS but Sophie is an ex-teammate of um, uh, Lizzie's on a couple of years ago, and Sophie, you know, her last win, I think it was the uh, 2013 New South Wales Road Championship. So there you go. It's one of those stories of someone who uh, just is, is a workhorse and has managed to sort of finally get a, a brilliant result. That was that set the tone for the championships for some really interesting results. Yeah, you know, and, and you're spot on there, Rupert. And to beat Lizzie Williams with all the support and that she had riding for her on the day, and obviously with her talent and skill set, that's a big accomplishment for Sophie, for sure. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, the interesting thing, like uh, Orica AIS, they also had Sarah Roy up there, and there was a breakaway, and then uh, Sarah Roy managed to bridge across. And you know, Lizzie was going to try and set up Sarah for the sprint, but I guess that effort by Sarah to uh, to make it across, you know, in crit racing, you know, you only have so many efforts in you, and it very came towards the back end of the race with five laps to go, and uh, you know I just think that would have taken the stung out of Sarah's sprint. And obviously at that point, Lizzie's thinking, you know, she's got to do the job. But you know, Sophie came through with the goods, and uh, it was a great result. But then we got into the time trials, you know, a couple of days over, later at uh, Bunnyong, and. Um, that was an interesting sort of uh, turnabout as well. And um, we saw you know, Katrin Garfoot, the uh, German-born uh, Aussie on Orica IS. She had a great result, which is, uh, she was so happy about that. And, um, and then, uh, you know, Tiff Cromwell got in for, for a bronze medal, which was a surprising, not a surprising result. It was just a, a good strength show of form by her. And it was her best ever result in the time trial. And I forgot to say, um, obviously, uh, second place, um, you know, uh, second place went... Shara Gillow, Shara Gillow. <laughs> I, I, you bailed me out there, didn't you? Thank you. Well, no, well, I, I, it's hard to forget Shara Gillow. Um, four, she was the, going in as the reigning uh, four-time, uh, you know, time, women's time trial champion. She's an amazing talent on, on a time trial bike, and she's really owned that course over the years. And, uh, you know, I talked to her just briefly um, over Facebook Messenger um, the next day, and she's she basically said, look, she's, she's still very happy with the results and uh, quite happy with her form. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, if she had got that fifth uh, win, that would have been a record. But that's why records are hard to break, isn't it? They're not always broken. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it was, a, it was reflective of the, uh, the, uh, the standard of, of that time trial amongst uh, the women who competed. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, obviously for Garfoot, it was an incredible result for her. She, uh, you know, uh, got f- um, fourth of the Commonwealth Games in the time trial. But now, interestingly, after that, she said she's really focused on Rio now she wants that time trial spot and she said 
the goal is to go to Rio, not just to go to Rio and to participate. She wants to win at Rio. So um, high ambitions, but, you know, you've got to uh, tilt the lid to people who've got high ambitions because uh, when they achieve them, um, you know, they've vindicated or they've justified their, uh, their position that they're going for, you know, and uh, it's great to see people have... Some people may say lofty ambitions, but high ambitions are, are great. No, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, turning our attentions to the men, obviously, you, you just can't. Oh, we, we can't. We can't talk to the. We can't. We now the men abandoned the segment. Then we talk. Oh, oh, that's, <laughs> that's another segment. Apologies, I, I jumped the gun on that one. This is this, this is a male-free zone on this segment. <laughs> well, what are we doing on it? We're we're just uh, we're, oh, the subject content is a male-free zone. <laughs> So, so we're going to talk about the women's road race now. Women's road race. Yeah, absolutely. Amanda Spratt. Last time, you know, she won the championship in two twelve uh, in a solo break. This time, she managed to uh, to win it in a two up sprint, and uh, she uh, really produced the goods. And that was that was a great result. And she's obviously got her eyes on the Olympic for her in the spot in the road team. But uh, Amanda Spratt, another another person who's uh, you know done a lot of work for other riders, and uh, but she certainly proved that when she's uh, when she puts her hand up for the win, she's uh, got the goods. And Rip, talk to me a little bit about it, because that, that race, I'm, again, I wasn't down there this year, but that's a tough course. That road race course there and Bunny Yong, that is, that's got to be one of the toughest national uh, courses in the world. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the climb there, uh, you know, they do, um, you know, it's 10.2 uh, kilometres, and um, the, uh, the the women's race, is, they do 10 laps of that. And the Bunyong Hill, as uh, it goes out from the start line up along the hill, it goes for about, oh, I'd say a good kilometre, then it turns left, and then it dips a little bit, then it peaks up again. And it's, it's uh, you know, you can imagine the grinders of the race as it continues on and on. And um, it, you know, it takes a heavy toll on the field and... Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's probably no surprise that you get small fields left. You know, come the finale, um, so you've really got to have a, a strong rider to win that. And somebody, I think, experience on that circuit uh, certainly helps. It's interesting that there's always debate every year, but maybe we can talk about it later in the show. But uh, about whether the course should move around or not. But it's certainly, uh, it's, it's, it's. I think it's a fabulous course, and um, it does test test everything. And you know what, we've seen in the past strong sprinters who can get around on those hills. Yeah, do have a fair crack at the title. So uh, I, I think it's a great place to stay. Um, and also, don't... You go on. Well, also, also Rube, you know, when we look at uh, Amanda's uh, victory, you know, uh, last weekend, you, you can't help but look to see who she won over and who she shared that podium with. There was a lot of talent on that podium right below her. We're talking Ruth Corset, who is just a... I, I love Ruth because she's a triathlete turned mountain biker turned road cyclist. And she still dabbles in both triathlon and mountain bike races in the off-season uh, around her home in far north Queensland. She's a she was a 2010 champion. Uh, she's won the NRS since coming back from uh, serving her time as a pro in Europe and, and kind of settled on, on family. I believe she has two uh, two girls, I believe. Um, and so it's it's really – it's just great to see her still so high in the mix. And, of course, Rachel Nalen, who, who finished second last year. And then, you know, obviously she's she's finished on the world stage, UCI Road Worlds, uh, what was it, 2012 route. Yeah. Um, she was a silver medalist there as well. So what a lot of talent yeah, that, on that podium for the women. Yes, certainly. I mean, it's actually, I forgot to mention that, you know, obviously Ruth was in the uh, the, the two-rider break with, with Amanda. You know, 
they got away on that uh, on that last hill. They, they uh, from a from a, a breakaway that they were already in of about five or six riders. So, and uh, you know, Amanda went early in the sprint because she was a bit wary about Ruth having it on her in a in a, in a tight sprint. Uh, but it was great. It was a great ride there by Orica AIS. You know, they had you know a girl in the in the uh, in the initial breakaway of the day, and they had every every group covered throughout the whole event. And and then um, you know, obviously when uh, Ruth and Amanda are up for the finale there. Um, you know, good on Rachel for nailing to, uh, to she was in the group behind. She didn't, um, you know, uh, do anything untoward to, to threaten the uh, the breakaway from staying away. And then she saved her cards for that sprint. And it was an emotional moment for Rachel as well because her father passed, her father Anthony passed away uh, with cancer back in August. And um, she spoke to me before the race about how much it meant to her um, that uh, you know she was you know uh, thinking of him all the time, obviously. But uh, you could see that sense of the emotion afterwards um she uh she you know she understandably became very teary-eyed and she'd have dedicated her bronze medal win to her father but uh, just speaking of that um uh you know obviously we spoke to amanda spratt after the um after the race and um let's have a listen to see here what uh, amanda had to say um but first we have another bit of music we'll listen to and then we'll come back and listen to amanda spratt the australian women's road race championship
Still got it. Your taste in music, always astounding me. You're listening to Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee on What a Ride. We're talking about the Australian Road Championships that were held uh, from January 6 to January 10, and we've just been talking about the women's events. Uh, the fantastic results there. Um, in the last segment, we're just talking about Amanda Spratt, who won the uh, women's elite road race uh, championship race. And as we said, we're going to have, have a listen to hear what Amanda had to say. On, on the finish line in Bunanyong, here she is talking to uh, a group of media, including myself. I was there, um, and let's just hear what she had to say about her great victory. Tell me when the title was in 2012. You've done it again in the Olympic year. How does this one compare to the first one? Um, I th- yeah, the first one was probably a little bit more unexpected. Um, this one, I came in really knowing that my form was really good. I think certainly through the Bay Crits, I could feel that. Although I've certainly kept a really low prof- profile heading into the race, which was fine for me. Um, but, uh, I mean, coming to the race, we obviously had a good numerical advantage, and I think the thing was we were able to really use it this year. Having Sarah Roy out there in the in that early break was, was great for us. It was a great situation, and it meant we could sort of not panic, uh, sit in there, relax, um, and sort of, I guess, have the other teams wondering what, what we were going to do. And once we started making those moves, it was, we really meant business. And, yeah, I mean, getting across to Sarah was great. She was cramping. She was absolutely done, but she just said, what can I do? What do I do? She just gave me every last bit of energy she had, and then I knew that... Uh, it was up to me to finish it off. In the closing stages, were you communicating to the team that you were confident in your sprinting ability at the end, and was there any uncertainty over the radio as to whether others should go across to you, or how did you deal with that? Like, well, I think we didn't have too much communication in the final there once I was away. I mean, I spoke to to Sarah and told her that I was confident that I could that I could finish it off for the team. So she certainly knew that, and I'm sure she was able to communicate with that the team once they did catch her. I mean, I know Ruth's actually a strong sprinter, so I had to be really, really smart in the way that I won that sprint in the end. Um, I mean, it was just numerical advantage. I knew that I had green edge riders behind me if it did come back together, so I could kind of play that card a little bit. But um, I was feeling really strong out there, and I know in a, in a really hard, tough race, I can actually sprint pretty well at the end. You, you, you went pretty early, you know. I mean, 
can you just talk us about how, how do you put what energy output are you putting? You know, putting out, are you going at, absolutely at the limit at the start because you know you're going to have to maintain it right to the finish? Yeah, no, I was trying to trying to be patient, trying to be patient, trying to be patient, um, and I think I still went with about 300 to go. I could. It's one of those finish straights. You can see the finish from so far out, and you know it's an Australian Championship, and yeah, I think I got a little bit excited, but um, I knew for me I probably had to make it a bit of a longer sprint. Um, Ruth is quite punchy, so that was my aim was to try and make it a bit more of a drag race, and I could just keep getting faster and faster, and I think getting the jump on her is what allowed me to win the sprint, yeah. What are your thoughts? As has already been mentioned, you've done this in an Olympic year again. Your thoughts on the big, the big goal this year? Yeah, it's certainly a really great way to start the year. I mean, I, um, you know, the last couple of seasons I've been a bit more up and down, but I've had a really solid block of training in my off-season, um, and certainly the Olympics is the really big goal, and to start it off with the national title is really, really important, and just puts me right there. Um, you know, at the forefront of um, you know the peloton, and and this is how I want to start winning, and I want to continue winning once I get to Europe as well. And also significant that the two other two other Orica IIS girls who get third and fourth, you know, Kat, Kat's obviously a type the, the big time trial contender, and Rachel would also have strong claims on the Rio course. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be a super hard course from what we hear, um, and I think Australian women's cycling is in a really strong position. We've just we finished last season with our highest ranking that we've had in a number of years. I think we were fourth, which allows us four riders in Rio, so we really want to keep that momentum going heading into this and try to get that fourth rider there because it will make a, you know, will be a, a big advantage. But certainly, it's looking pretty exciting when you've got so many riders kind of in contention there. Yeah. Just looking ahead to the year. Sorry. Which races will you be targeting in Europe? just personally and then also for the selection from Rio? Um, yeah, certainly, I mean, knowing that Rio is a really tough course, some of those hillier races are going to be really important. Um, this year we have the Women's World Tour for the first year, so my big targets will be focused on some of those hillier World Tour races. So we're looking at the Chitilio Trofeo Binder race in... Uh, uh, third weekend of March um, for the Flash Wallone World Cup which is in mid-April and then just overall having good consistency through those other classics but mainly the Helia one day races are what I'm targeting yeah. with, with a view to the Olympics is it, uh, is it the goal of the team to try and get all, every single spot I mean have you actually sort of spoken about that as we'd like to uh, in Orica? Yeah, in Orica. Oh, yes. No, I don't think... We haven't really spoken and said that we want all Orica riders there. I mean, we're certainly in a position where we would have to have a number of the top contenders to get there with a few other riders from different teams. So it's not something where we're saying we want all Orica riders there. But obviously, in a way, it does help that we do have so many contenders. We're all really pushing each other. We're all... You know, it's not a, a, not a cat fight or anything. We're all really supportive of each other in a way that's just pushing each other to, to get better as well. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to do the Cadell uh, Evans race? Yeah, so I have a big January coming up, um, two and under next, yeah, yeah. so I'm pretty happy I get to wear my jersey so soon, um, and then Cadell's race, yeah, and then I'll head to Europe after that. Rachel spoke, uh, she was very emotional talking about her dad, mm. and I understand you walked past Paula and said that one was for Marv. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just sort of a few comments on, you know, obviously Marv's having a rough time, and how much it means for the team that you get one for him. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been a rough, obviously, you know, Rachel's had a bit of pretty emotional time with the passing away of her father um, just before Worlds last year, mm. and we got the news from Marv that his father passed away really unexpectedly and so he couldn't be here for these first races but you know the way our team is we're like a family and he's been messaging us throughout the Bay Crits throughout the Nationals and you know he's always keeping an eye on us he's always you know seeing how it's going and I know that he you know this is one of his favourite races to be here and mm. so it's very annoying isn't he he's never leaves you alone yeah he's annoying he eats his good luck do 
donuts before the start line and gets captured on film, which is still a highlight for me. Um, yeah, so I mean, I know he'd be really proud just to see the way the team the team rode and the way the team is racing at the moment. Yeah. What if you can just speak for a minute about what were the conditions like today? Obviously, starting at 8 a.m. much earlier than previous years. Did that affect the peloton or? I don't think so. Maybe just a few people wishing they'd ha- had time to get an extra coffee in or two. Yeah, I was a little bit sleepy this morning, but um, yeah, I think I don't really think it affected the race at all. I mean, it is an earlier start for us. We do have to get up earlier, but the flip side is that you know we get you know the same crowds as the men. We've got the the TV time, so it's you know a bit of compromise too. I think it's absolutely fantastic that we're going to get that that television coverage um, at 1 p.m. on Channel 9. So um, you know it's a trade-off, and we're more than happy. Yeah. What about the crowds? Yeah, the crowds just every lap kept getting bigger and bigger, and you know you kind of get. Everyone says that this Mount Bunning Young Circuit is, um, you know, just like doing a race in Europe on some of those climbs when you know you got the cowbells, you've got the the noise and the atmosphere. We really had that certainly in the last sort of two or three laps. You can, you know, the crowd was going nuts, and yeah, I could hear lots of people cheering for me, which is always motivating. Did you feel like it was bigger than um, other years with the Sunday race? I think so. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think the first couple of laps everyone was a little bit sleepy, but you could notice every lap there were more and more and more spectators and. I mean, the other thing, I had my whole family here too. And the last time my whole family came was in when I won in 2012, so I think I can definitely say they're my good luck charms. <laughs> Go and have a good lunch. Well, that was Amanda Spratt, the newly crowned Australian women's elite road race champion for the second time in her career. She's really good to talk to, Spratty. Uh, that's uh, how everyone likes to call her. And um, she's always great with the media. And uh, as you heard there, she's got a lot of enthusiasm. And uh, we probably could have stood there for a lot longer. But it was getting hot down in Bunanyong. Uh Aaron, how did you feel about that, mate? Uh, you know, you, you, you've spoken to Amanda Spratt before. Yeah, look, I, 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 I'm so proud of, of the job that she was able to do over the weekend. And again, as we mentioned earlier, to do it in such an impressive group of, of riders, the, the field was loaded. And it, it really does, you know, we've talked about this over the last few years, how the, the elite men's field always looks like a world tour caliber. Um, you know, in other words, the podium you could find anywhere on any race uh, throughout the, 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 the season. The women's field is exactly the same in that the, the talent has just continues to grow. And one person we you know we, we didn't that didn't make the podium is uh, a two time champion Gracie Elvin. So there we, we mentioned Tiffany Cromwell earlier, who was riding so strongly in the in the individual time trial, who was always a threat. The women's field is deep and it's it's quite impressive and it's got me very excited about what's to come for 2016. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And, uh, you know, they're going to be racing, uh, the women are going to be racing down in their tour uh, during the two down under period. So we're going to hear more of these names in the next couple of weeks and certainly for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, I, I just literally right before um, we went on air here, um, I had a quick chat with Gracie Elvin, who, who mentioned how she personally uh, feels really strongly about her form at the moment. She's not going to be racing the Santos Women's uh, Cup uh, at the tour down under this week. Um, she's instead to take a little bit of time off, go back to Canberra, uh, do a little bit more training and preparations for a, a very strong season uh, starting off in Qatar. So, and I also want a, uh, a quick shout out while we're we're talking about the women and talk about Rush Lee Buchanan, who won the the women's elite time trial and the women's road race over in New Zealand over the same weekend. Um, she adds that to a Criterium title she won a month earlier. New Zealand does it just a little bit differently. They don't hold all three at the same time, but uh, what an 
impressive, uh, impressive showing over the last 30 days uh, for the Waikato native. Yeah, so that's a, that's a magnificent performance there, and um, a good call, good call, Aaron, and, and, and thanks for the heads up about Gracie's uh, plans as well uh, of not being down there in Adelaide. So, um, but that's great to hear that she's going to be doing Qatar, and uh, I've been to Qatar before, and I know that they're really, really tough conditions there. So, hopefully, she's going to be freshened up and really strong to pull out a good performance. Now we're going to. Um, it's going to be, well, you know, it's going to be interesting, Root, because um, you know, obviously, Orca AIS is they've got a they've got a big change coming up for twenty six. They're missing one image of Hanson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's uh, interesting stuff. Well, we look forward to seeing uh, her performances. Now we're going to have a little bit of a gear shift. We're going to break this male-free zone, and we're going to introduce the men, the Men's Road Racing Championships at Ballarat and at Buninyong. Just for the end of this little segment, how about we t- to start with Aaron, the Men's Elite Criterium. Uh, we mentioned him at the very start of the show, before we put the lockdown on the men's uh content for the last segment, Caleb Ewan. What a great win by Caleb there. Uh, he really, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him coming into that um, championship before uh, with, with him having won the Bay Crits series beforehand, three out of four races. Uh, we saw last year on his debut, he wasn't able to do it. Steel Von Hoff got the win. This time Caleb got a, a superb win um, and he was excellently led out by Alex Edmondson. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, okay, people say it's a criterion, but it shows that Caleb was able to carry the expectations and pressures on him, which we've seen before, but it's always nice to see it reaffirmed. Well, you know, one of the things that really surprised me, it probably shouldn't have surprised me, but I know that he even addressed this in a, in a quick chat that I had with him uh, maybe a day or two before the race, was that he hadn't raced since, since the Volta. So he, that was a, that's a huge block that he had not really, he had not raced at all uh, since August, September. Um, and he was unsure just how his performance would be if he would be a, a, a bit too rusty perhaps but uh, the off season the rest did him well um, he he enjoyed a, a pretty solid off season of gym training with a personal trainer in his home of Monaco so um, I think uh, he obviously has shown that the rest did the body good and that he is he's ready to go and expects a, a fantastic season which what he said is going to really highlight the first half of the season come the Giro d'Italia where he'd like to pick up a stage or two yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Although, interesting enough, um, we saw him in the, uh, and we're going to talk about the men's elite road race a little bit later, but Dan, we're talking about just with Caleb. Uh, obviously, in the men's elite road race, he wasn't on a good day. Um, he was uh, dropped relatively early in the race before um, all the real action happened near the end. So um, that might have been a disappointment for him, I'd suggest, because uh, his confidence would have been quite high going into, into the race. Um, and certainly after his silver medal performance, the year before, when Hal Heinrich Hausler won, who was not here this year, um, he certainly proved the year before that he can get around the tough Bunanyong circuit. So I guess, uh, you know, I haven't spoken to him since, um, but um, I, I'd suggest that possibly, the, you know, he obviously wasn't on a great day. Um, but we can only hope that he's going to recover and uh, show his, you know, his best again at the two down under, where uh, I'm sure he'll be amongst the fray in those sprint stages. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, taking so much time off, um, he may have been just a bit overcooked after the criterium. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, like you said, he hadn't raced since the Vuelta, so maybe that uh, that sudden, you know, uh, you know, 
picking up of, of you know race a race schedule has been a pretty hard race schedule for him in the last uh, month. So maybe uh, he just sort of you know tilted over the edge of uh, of. Uh, what he had in the legs at the time so a day or two rest and hopefully it'll be all the better now Aaron we're going to uh, take a little break here uh, start looking into your record file we don't have records anymore do we LPs no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> go and pick something for us I, I still got eight tracks mate <laughs> go, go, go and select something for us mate and we'll just take a little breather um, and we'll go into the feed station and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the men's elite time trials and the men's elite road race you're listening to What a Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control Nine, to Major Tom. Seven, six, commencing five, countdown engines on. Three, two, check ignition one, and may God's love be with you.
You're listening to What A Ride. I'm Rupert Guinness and I'm with my partner in crime, Aaron S. Lee. Uh, Aaron, uh, nice little choice there of music, but uh, speaking of nice little choices, there were some nice choice results in the men's elite and under-23 races uh, in the time trial and also at the uh, road race uh, at the Australian Road Championships in Bunanyong, Victoria. Aaron, what was the highlight for you, do you think, from all those races? Oh, I think it's kind of something that you and I were talking about during the commercial break was uh, young Chris Hamilton, the mountain biker turned roadie, who was the under-23 national criterion championship, uh, champion but last year. Uh, and this year he, he takes the road race. Again, mountain biker turned roadie. You and I always love those stories of, of triathletes or mountain bikers who are able to, to, to transfer those skills and, and, and obviously cross over and find success at another sport. Well, he's definitely uh, one of those guys and seems to have all the talent in the world but more importantly, I like him because he's a part of that Andrew Christie Johnson learning tree from that Avanti program that has produced the likes of, of obviously Richie Port and Nathan Haas, uh, Jack Haig, the list goes on and on. Um, Rube, that was the highlight of my, uh, of my weekend from, from viewing from afar here in North America. But you were on the ground, what did you like? Oh, look, I, I mean, I, I really like, there's a lot that I liked. I mean, uh, but now you're just talking about, you know, crossovers from sports. What about uh, Sean Lake? You know, I mean, you know, he got a, a, a bronze medal in the men's elite um, time trial um, behind Rowan Dennis. Rowan Dennis won it, who got second last year, and Richie Port, who won it last year, got second. So he was in pretty esteemed company there. And, uh, and, 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 and of course, Sean Lake being a former. Continue, continue. Yeah, former rower. I thought you'd. I no, no. Oh, sorry. I thought you'd. Uh, yeah, no. Former. Being, yeah, 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 rower. Being, a, being an old uh, rower yourself, um, I, I think obviously that you'd be just absolutely thrilled with Sean Lake's performance. And can I say, just 18 months into his his cycling career, and the guy is already standing on top of the podium, or I say, just say, standing on the podium with two of the best riders in the world, uh, bar none. And what an impressive feat! And again. Again, another ACJ. Yes. Well, I think more importantly, he's a rower, ex-rower, mate. He's got the engine there. <laughs> he's he's going to have to strip off a little bit. Uh, like, I mean, that'll come in, in, in kilometres trained and kilometres uh, ridden and raced. Um, you know, uh, he's going to strip off. Uh, he, he's got a, His body still has to change a bit. But uh, a time trial is a time trial. They, they, they call it the race of truth. Absolutely. Sorry, he's 78 kilos. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a lot for a bike rider. Um, you know, he's not that far off being a lightweight rower though. Seventy two and a half, he could be lightweight again. But anyway, he he he's he's, he's committed to a road cycling career now, and uh, he had a good you know fantastic ride also in the uh, men's elite road race. Now just about the time trial though, I thought you know obviously Rowan Dennis, um, Australian cyclist of the year last year, his performance uh, you know uh, was was superb, and uh, you know we mentioned about how he crashed. Uh, uh, a few years ago in, in the race and um, you know and he got second last year so two years ago he crashed out in the race got hit by uh, 60 he was racing 60 kilometers per hour got hit by a whirly wind and he was all grazed up banged up and out of the event last year he got uh, beaten by seven seconds by his new teammate on BMC Richie Port um, and Richie Port got a second uh, his time was only two seconds out of last year's winning time but Richie said he's you know come into this year's championships not on the same form as last Last year, he's having a slow boil towards his peak 
hopefully for the Tour de France in July. But there were two good rides by those two BMC riders. Unfortunately, in the men's road race, you know, Richie sort of overcooked it a bit with some efforts, which uh, saw him not finish. And then Rowan Dennis didn't finish either. He was up there towards, uh, leading towards the end um, in, a, in the group behind Jack Bobrich, who had a fantastic victory, more than 90 kilometres uh, on his own to win that championship. Uh, what did you feel about Jack Bobridge's uh, result? Because he's had a topsy-turvy career, and he, but he knows how to pull out the big ones. Well, I'll tell you before I mention the, what I, my feelings on Jack, I want to go back to, uh, and, and I hate to do this uh, on air where people actually have some sort of point of reference or, or record of me saying this, but excellent piece on Rowan Dennis in the City Morning Herald last week. Uh, I think it was prior to the, the time trial win or it might have been after I can remember that apologies but a great piece on talking about the scars uh, left behind from that uh, that race that crash mm. into the time trial in Burnby <laughs> two, two years ago three years ago um, so just uh, yeah I just want to say that was an amazing read and for those out there I'm sure you'll be able to find it uh, just visit the Sydney Morning Herald website and uh, look up for Guinness I'm sure uh, that story will be there it's worth a read for sure and also as far as Richie falling just slightly short uh, with uh, to his new teammate what does that say I mean what does that really say about Richie's form when he's on and off when he's when he's off form so to speak so that, that says a lot about just how talented Richie is and makes me excited um, about what's to come, especially come um, the Tour de France, which he, as we, we spoke last week's show, has targeted with, uh, uh, I guess, team co-captain, uh, American TJ Van Garderen, which, I, as I stated last week, still not sold on that strategy. But uh, as far as Jack goes, a real roller coaster of a year, or, or, or really a roller coaster of a career, should we say, for, for, for uh, Jack. But, uh, man, magnificent ride and I think I think I saw three days later his name was still trending on Twitter but it was showing just how relevant uh, his ride was uh, on Sunday in Bunnyong I, I, wow. And, you know, I think SBS had a poll midway through the race. Could he hold on to the lead? And I actually think I was one of the few that voted no. <laughs> uh, uh, there's no way. There was just no way he could hold on to that pace well, and what he was doing. And, and lo and behold, he got faster, Root. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the I think he's about his second last or third last lap was actually under 15 minutes for the lap, but he did 14.58. But, you know, uh, I, I don't think you're alone in thinking that he wouldn't... Uh, you know, Make it because I mean the you know the, the group behind they obviously underestimated him. They thought he would blow up, and in the end, they ended up realizing that their only hope of catching him would be that he would blow up. When uh, he was in the earlier break, and they had uh, about ten minutes lead, and then there was down to about nine minutes when he was on his own. And he was talking about how he, um, he he really rode an intelligent race as well. It wasn't just a gutsy, strong ride; it was an intelligent ride because he worked. And you said he knew that uh, he would need nine minutes. Um, like he went off alone. Uh, he, he dropped Bernie Salzburger. Salzburger, sorry, Sol- Bernie Salzburger from Drapak uh, on the tenth of eighteen laps of this tough Bunnyong circuit, and um, he, uh, when he had you know like nine minutes, nine and a half minutes, he calculated that there's if he was to uh, go up the uh, the hill uh, on three hundred watts, and then he would come down. He said the the chase group they would be just going up the hill as he's coming down, and they would need to produce massive numbers of wattage power to be able to catch him, you know, and so he 
really calculated it well. Um, but better than uh, just uh, me explain it, because I might have got in a little bit of a muddle there, um, why don't we have a listen to what Jack Bobridge said, because as with Amanda Spratt, we spoke to Jack on the finish line, and there's nothing better than to hear it from the horse's mouth. So let's just have a little listen now to Jack Bobridge, the Australian men's elite road race champion. Jack, with what today, was that, in your, was that strategy in your mind last night when you went to bed or even this morning? Uh, no, nah, not to be honest. <laughs> I think uh, what I had in my mind today of a strategy was um, obviously Green Edge, you know, have, there's been a big hype around them where Caleb and Garen's really wanted to win this and down under, so, um, and Richie and Rowan. Um, obviously, Rowan was in fantastic condition after what he did to us the other day. Um, I, I was actually going to uh, follow either Garen's or. Um, Caleb today. Um, in the back of my mind, I thought Richie and Rowan would probably be a bit too strong for me to go try go with them at the finish. But when I saw that big group go at the start, um, you know, 20 guys and had a lot of teams represented, um, I put myself there, and um, yeah, I think I just got away with Bernie and. Uh, he was humming and hawing whether to stay there or not, and you know, at that point in time, if I, if I was to go back, I've spent too much energy already, so I'm not going to win the bike race anyway. So I got myself into a good rhythm, and um, I guess the time gap I got that nine minutes was was able was enough time for me to, to start the descent as they were starting to climb. So it was perfect timing, and I had tower wind on the climb. So um, yeah, as long as I, which I did, I, I kept the leg strong to the end. Um, yeah, managed to managed to pull. Telling yourself uh, mentally to keep going and today. Um, oh, obviously, I wanted redemption after after Thursday. Um, you know, to be honest, I trained full. You know, probably more than I ever have before for the time trial on Thursday, and it didn't go my way. I just had one of them days when the body just just didn't want to work. Just you know, everyone has them days. Um, so yeah, I was pretty annoyed with Thursday, but um, yeah, I guess today was just. Um, yeah, redemption for Thursday, and and you know, I guess at the end of the day, to to win the road race is probably a bit more better than the time trial because I get to wear the jersey more often. How, how was the pain? How would you describe it compared to other things you've done? Like we've seen the hour record and stuff on the track. How would you compare what you went through today? Yeah, well, I, I just sort of try to start breaking it up into sections. Um, you know, do the climb threshold, and then all the descents was I try to ride 300 or less, so I could always uh, ride threshold on the climb. Because I knew to take nine minutes back on the climb. If I if I'm riding my threshold, these guys will, you know, most of the most of the bigger guys are heavier than me. They're going to have to do stupid numbers, and um, you know, they're going to be able to pull back a bit of time, but they're never going to pull back nine minutes. How do you feel, mate? Can you put it in layman's terms? I mean, people are calling it one of the most memorable title wins ever. You know, 90 odd k's on your own. Can yeah. Put it in the work. Um, well, I'm a bit speechless too at the moment. I think it hasn't sunk in yet, really. But um, yeah, to be honest, I, I I honestly didn't think yeah, you know, 90 or 100k solo is is um yeah, it's ne- next level a little bit, I guess. So it was uh, but in saying that, this is the kind of course, like I said, when you do have that nine minute advantage, guys are still climbing and you're descending. So and and we had Tar win up the climb today, so it's in favour of the guys off the front, you know. So um, I think that I think that really played into my hands today, and um, yeah, and I was angry at myself from Thursday's uh, um, not so good ride. So um, yeah, it was, and I had Brett Aiken in the car. He was really, he was good, you know. He was he was telling me and he was keeping me level-headed um, on the climb, um, and you know, really really looking after me. So just your mindset. 
sorry, anyway. just your mindset. When you go off 90Ks from home, do you have full faith you can see that? Or are you thinking, let's see what happens here? Or, I've put yeah. all my eggs in already, I've got to go. Or can you give us your mindset? Yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't think going that far from home I'd be able to hold on this course. This course is, is brutal. So, um, But yeah, I guess the time gaps, uh, it, it stayed the same. And a few times it even started to go out a bit. And... Uh, so, you know, probably four or five laps from home, I started to think to myself, you know, I could probably, I can probably, can probably do this if I keep riding smart. Um, and I guess every time up the climb, I rarely watched my power meter I mean, really, and really, and I knew um, what I could do. And, um, you know, to do 60k an hour down the hill, to do 62, you got to do an extra 60, 60 watts. So it wasn't worthwhile. It was worth putting that extra 60 watts up the hill and, and, and holding them off. So, um, yeah, it was a real tactical game for me in, in, in terms of really watching that power meter and really watching... Um, you know the effort right to the finish line. Does it change what you're gonna, what you're planning to do to an now? Um, no, not really. I don't think so. Um, you know, I, all the sort of means now is that I get to wear the Aussie jersey all week um, and probably get harassed by you guys even more. But Jack, surely you must think that you can have a crack at it now if, uh, if you did already before. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know, I've started my season. You know, I won't lie. I started my season really early this year. Um, was aiming for the time trial, so um, you know, and we and we had the World Cup on the track in New Zealand, which was early. So um, I started early, and I and I wanted to start the season really good for track, you know, because they've obviously given me the, the second chance this year to go back to the World Tour. So um, I guess this is a massive for them, and massive for me just to, to step up. So they brought a really good team over for down under, and yeah, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't going to have a go down under next week. And now I've shown that I've got the form to do it, I'll, I'll uh, step up and, and see what I can do. Jack, Jack on that last lap, uh, how were you feeling going up there? I mean, were you suffering any cramps or anything? Or maybe were you worried about Cam getting across? I guess you still had two or three minutes on it, uh, well, I think I still had like they were telling me I still had like four, four and a half minutes on the last climb. So I knew he wasn't going to catch me if I if I was just to ride, you know, 300 watts or more. So, um, but to be honest, at like the last time, the last climb, I was absolutely, you know, uh, I won't I won't use the language, but I was absolutely shagged. Yeah, um, but I just yeah. Uh, it's the last lap of the national titles, you know. If you just get over that, you're going to win, and you know. So I just buried it. Um, but it was, yeah. It wasn't just that last lap. The last two or three laps was 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 pretty brutal. Jack, how did those last couple of laps compare to your last few minutes in the hour record? Uh, to be honest, the last the, the hour record was the most effed thing I've ever done to myself in my life. Nothing could hurt any any more than an hour. So what I did today was, um, you know, when it starts to hurt, if you think about the hour, then nothing hurts more than what the hour did. Jack, what did you make of how Green Edge raced today? Were you surprised by their tactics? After how um, the race played out? Well, I guess you know when you have eight or nine minutes, and um, I heard Green Edge were on the front. Green Edge today had a lot of big guys, um, and if I'm riding 400 watts on the climb, guys that are weighing 10 kilos more than me, it's impossible to ride that up the climb. They're never going to catch me. So um, they let the race go by letting that big group go early and, and not having their, you know one of their selected guys in there. So their uh, tactics today were... Um, I, I don't think they rode the, the smartest race they've ever ridden. Sometimes, sometimes more riders is... 
isn't that good? You clearly did. You wasn't just physically strong. You you rode the smartest race too. Yeah, I looked after myself you know, in that first group, made sure, you know, I, I was watching to see what was going to happen, um, whether they were going to bring it back or not. It was touch and go for a little while, so, um, yeah, I thought I rode a pretty tactical race until I went, even when I was off the front by myself solo, um, I still rode a really tactical race in terms of riding the climb hard, all the descents, not pedalling, conserving, eating, drinking all day, so, um, yeah, I think I was, it, was a, it was a good tactical race. You're listening to What A Ride with Aaron S. Lee and Rupert Guinness. I switched the names around this time for a bit of uh, variety. But it's still the same show, still the same blokes talking, gas bagging about the Australian Men's Road Race Championship. And we just had a listen to Jack Bobridge, who won the Men's Elite Road Race at Bunanyong. It's the second time Jack's won the uh, Australian Championship, and in, you know he won it in a similar circumstance, not as long as the breakaway, but he did it with a 30-kilometre solo breakaway in 2.11, after which he also went on to break the world individual pursuit record over 4,000 metres. And as we recall in last year's Tour Down Under, he won the, uh, the, the first stage in a brilliant uh, attack and uh, held on to the lead for a little while. And then after that, hadn't, after that uh, race, the Tour Down Under, he had an attempt at the world hour record, which he just fell short of breaking, but it was a massive week of performances by Jack Bobridge. Uh, when you think about those performances, Aaron, you know, he really is a remarkable athlete on his day. A gutsy one, isn't he? He's uh, he's not scared to to, uh, to, to ride and, and not scared to attack anything. Um, he's proven that time and time again throughout his career. Uh, we know that he is he has battled some uh, health issues regarding uh, arthritis, uh, debilitating arthritis uh, in the past. I think he's on top of that now. Um, and it, I haven't had a chance to really talk to Jack or see Jack since uh, we saw him in the tunnel uh, after the hour record and when he was. Absolutely exhausted and shattered, but still managed to have a smile on his face. Uh, I haven't had a chance um, to, to speak with him since, uh, but to see him on the podium and see him on TV uh, speaking afterwards, it's uh, it, it really made the heart smile a bit. I was glad to see um, him battle back, and I'll be very interested to see what he'll be able to do in 2016, especially if he still has those Olympic you know aspirations for Rio with his fellow uh, track team pursuit colleagues. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I know those uh, the Olympics are very much on his on his radar, and um, you know it's going to be interesting to see how he builds up towards that. It's obviously there's not going to be much rest for him after the nationals because he's going to be at the two down under. But this time he's going to be racing for his new team, Trek, uh, one of the world tour teams. He uh, last year uh, rode the two down under for the UniSA. Uh, Australia team um, but this year is going to be with Trek and certainly he's got the year off superbly for, for that team and they would have been extremely happy with his win but I think there'll be a lot of expectation on see how he goes uh, in Adelaide at the two down under um, and then uh, it'll be interesting to see how he manages his program because uh, yeah, I think he can have a tendency to be going too hard too often and not sort of uh, keep something in reserve so I think though with the team pursuit um, commitments ahead he'll have 
to sort of, um, I think those things will be monitored in an Olympic year and, uh, you know, he's, gee, he's got the engine to have in a team pursuit, hasn't he? One of the things I want to mention before we, we, we move on to the next segment is that uh, I mentioned that uh, Rush Lee Buchanan obviously won the, the Nationals triple over the last month and obviously pulled the double on the individual time trial and the women's, uh, the elite women's road race uh, over this past weekend um, in New Zealand uh, in Napier. Uh, just wanted to mention uh, Jason Christie, um, young Jason Christie, who uh, former Avanti rider, been uh, last year with the Avanti racing team. Um, he is now signed with uh, the Kenyan, um, was it the Kenyan riders from down under, which is a bit of an amalgamation from last year's Kenyan riders team and the Australian continental team pro riders down under. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he took it to them, uh, won the uh, won the, the men's elite men's national road race, and I haven't got quite down to the uh, gist of it, but uh, seemed like there was a bit of tension uh, afterwards when speaking with him about uh, not being re-signed with Avanti, and I'm not sure uh, all the details on that yet, but uh, rest assured we'll, we'll be on top of it. Okay, thanks, and we look forward to listening to that, or hearing about it, or maybe reading about it in uh, in Velo News by you, or maybe on uh, New Zealand Cyclist, or one of the many publications you write for, mate. You uh, you are a, 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 a prolific, prolific writer, aren't you? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I'm being employed. <laughs> hey, um, listen, we just uh, we won't labour on too much about the Australian Championships, but it'd be remiss of us if we didn't talk about um, the the other two podium uh, place getters. You know, Cam Meyer, he went off with Rowan Dennis in pursuit of um, of um, Jack Bobridge, but uh, you know, uh, Rowan wasn't. You know, he didn't finish the race as we said, but Cam still went off in uh, a real hot pursuit. Um, he got as close as two and a half or two minutes and forty seconds on the last lap, which was too far behind. But it was a great ride for Cam. He, it's his first race, um, you know, for Dimension Data. Uh, he was a former Orica AIS, and it's interesting to note. Before I go any further, Oric IS had their worst ever performance in a national title, and both Bobrich and Cam Meyer are ex Oric IS riders. So there was a bit of a, a slap down there from uh, from um, a couple of their ex teammates or former teammates. But Cam's performance was a brilliant ride, and also uh, Pat Lane. You know, he got a bronze medal there, and and you know he had the gall and gumption to sort of go for that um, for that bronze, and that augured very well for his future, I think. But anyway, <laughs> there were there were two great rides, and it really was a fabulous podium there and it was you know it was a beautiful image of um you know uh, of cam finishing and just and he was just finished being interviewed by television and he uh, you know the first thing he did was to go and embrace his former teammate jack bobridge and that was a really great moment and and as we said pat lane being up there too there were three popular results but um i'd just like to say before we because uh, this sort of adds as a little segue you know jack's going to be interesting he's going to be an interesting player in the two down under pat lane's going to be up there too in the uh Australia uh, in the UniSA Australia team and Cam Meyer obviously a former winner of the two down under he's going to be racing there and he's going to be in very good form but uh, I've got to you know, we, as with Bobrich and Spratt we had a chat with uh, Cam Meyer on the finish line so let's have a listen to what Cam had to say about his performance and also he said some interesting things about Jack Bobridge's performance I don't think anything anyone feels very well after that. That was uh, one of the most torturous uh, national titles in that sort of heat. Um, strange race. 
up and down. You could see it. It was like Richie Port lighting up a lap, Drapak lighting up a lap, but then it would stop, and you had some machine out the front who just wouldn't wouldn't let us bring him back. So I'm happy to be on the podium. Were you always worried about each other knowing what Oh, definitely. As soon as I heard the situation of that big group and Jack was in it, I mean, oh, geez, I'm thinking of 2011, I think, when he won. And I thought, oh, they're giving a bit too much gap and the big teams of Orica and, and Green Edge and Avanti, I thought, that's a bit too big. You let Jack Bobridge like that, it's going to be a hard chase and you could see it's too big to bring him back. But Cam, when he's out on his own 90k he must have thought, oh, I'm going, he's going to blow at some point. Sometime he's going to, his legs are going to give up and uh, I think it was only in that last lap, but all our legs were gone as well, so he thoroughly deserved it. I'm happy to be on the podium. I've been fourth here twice and a fifth and I've always... I was part of Jack's win, part of my brother's win, Luke Durbridge's win, Simon Guerin's win. I was like, geez, I just want to get on the podium. So for me to get on the podium is uh, means all the hard work I've done has shown and uh, I can go into the next races, tour down under and that, and have another crack. Did you feel that you came with a bit of a point of group with your new team and all that, wanting to start with a bank? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'd always gone well around here, but it was always the situation of being in a big, big team like Orica. So... I wanted to start the season strong. Obviously, moving teams is uh, a little bit of motivation and you want to prove that it was a good choice. And uh, I come out today and, and showed I got good legs, so it's a good start for me. It's the first time Orica Greenedge haven't, I guess, dominated this race. They haven't had anyone on the podium. How much would this, would this hurt that team? Did it just come from there? Oh, I, I think it will. Um, I mean, I'm sure they've got a lot of respect for how the race went and how Jack rode and, and myself and the situation, but... I think they let it out of control at the start and that's what they'll, they'll be sorry for, that they didn't have it more under control at the start. They gave Jack too much leeway um, and in the end it was costly and, and they didn't have the numbers in the end. And, and on that last lap, you made some, you know, quite good inroads into Jack's lead there. Yeah. Uh, on the last climb, did you actually feel that there was a chance you could nah. do it? Or... He was blowing, but uh, I would need to be going 60k now to get him. I think he had three minutes, and that's just a bit too much. So maybe if we kept going another two laps, which I wouldn't enjoy, um, yeah, I, I think he was just too far. So you, you were more focused on just making sure you've got yeah. your lead in the silver medal. Yeah, I was. Uh, they kept telling me I was three minutes, four minutes to Jack, and I was going, I don't want to know about Jack. I'm probably not going to get him, so I want to know what's behind. Is is Gero coming? Who's coming? So um, the whole time in the back of my mind, I was like, just uh, keep going. Um, and try and get the silver medal and be on the podium. Just a quick word about your, your program now, uh, next races and, and the early part of the season. Yep. Uh, so two are down under next. Um, that'll be good to, to ride with seven and teammates. I've rode with Hassie and uh, Brenshaw today for the first time, but meet a few of the new guys. And um, then on to Cadell's race. So quite big Aussie summer, and then and then step over to Europe and uh, and get into the World Tour racing over there. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks.
you're listening to and the people you're listening to speak are Ruby Guinness, myself and Aaron S. Lee. Aaron, uh, that's great, eh? We're just listening to Cam Meyer who got second place in the Australian Men's Road Race Championship, his first race for Dimension Data and um, it's a great return of form for him. It's, it's, I love listening to guys talk and women, obviously, athletes talk straight after a race like they do in cycling, triathlon, athletics because you really sense that you get the feel of, um, of that, you know, either elation or sometimes frustration, sometimes anger mixed in with fatigue and they're trying to absorb the outcome and then you know having to uh, analyze it and describe their emotions and and their tactics uh, before the media and uh, you know sometimes it's just great to hear people's instant reaction isn't it Oh, it is, and that's some of the, the, the best parts of our job isn't it that we're able to to live in that moment with them and to record it chronicle it for future yeah, that's right. You know, and I think, um, you know, and obviously sometimes athletes will, will you know, may change their analysis after the case, but that's okay. I mean, part of sport is about experiencing it live, and, you know, and a, an athlete's always entitled to sort of uh, reanalyze their performance and come back with some reflection later. But that's for another day. I think one of the things was interesting about Cam Meyer and also for Jack Bobridge and Pat Lane, as we said, they're all three are going to be doing the two down under. And one of the interesting points, um, you know, it's been discussed whether, 
um, you know, this in this summer of cycling in Australia, we've got Chris Froome who's going to be doing the Herald Sun Tour, and he's going to be in Adelaide towards the end of the Tour Down Under on a training camp, but he's not racing it. Mark Cavendish, he's uh, he's uh, not going to be doing the Tour Down Under, but he's going to be doing the Cadell Evans Road Great Ocean Road Race uh, just a week after the Tour Down Under. So it's raised the issue of whether this year's Tour Down Under field is lacking because it hasn't got any real marquee names. But there's a lot of conjecture as to whether a marquee name makes a great race. Isn't it the strength of the field and the depth of the field? Do you think, Aaron? What's what's your viewpoint on that? Oh, absolutely. I, look, I've taken a, a, a quick look here to, at the start list now, and I'm telling you, I'm seeing a lot of things that interest me and, and that I'm excited about. I mean, for instance, we're looking just from Richie Port, Ryder Hedgedahl, Mark Minshaw, some guys, some, some familiar names uh, to cycling fans around the world. They're all coming in with brand new teams. Uh, Australia is, uh, we, we mentioned Cam Meyer. He's on a new team. We, we, we were talking, uh, he's got a new teammate who's in Australia who's coming over from Ryder Hagendahl's old team, Cannondale, uh, and now he's riding with team uh, Dimension Data, Nathan Haas. Um, this is some exciting times. Of course, Ryder will be riding with Trek uh, alongside Jack Bowbridge, uh, alongside uh, alongside uh, Kel Regenen, uh the American rider that we talked about last week mm. on the show. Um, uh, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some exciting things here. And of course, the, the the sprint field on the People's uh, Choice Classic, um, and then obviously the the final stage. I'm very excited to see uh, Caleb Ewan. Um, mix it up. I'm, I'm excited to see Walter Whippet, the former draft pack rider from uh, the Netherlands, um, who's now riding with Cannondale, along with his new teammate from New Zealand, former Avanti rider, Patrick Bevan, who won the men's time trial uh, in New Zealand over the weekend. I'm excited about that. A, a personal favorite of mine that I'm tipping to, to perhaps upset a few, this uh, especially on the sprint stages. Marco Kump, the Slovenian, who uh, was riding with Adria Mobile, makes his second, makes his return, should I say, uh, to the World Tour. He raced with Tinkoff Saxo a couple of years ago, but he's uh, he's back and he'll be riding with Lamprey uh, Marita. Um, he is a fantastic sprinter. Got a chance to see him up close and personal at the Tour of Qinghai Lake in July, and this guy has got the goods. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's a good cross-section of names there. I mean, like, I've uh, just been writing down a list of GC contenders and sprinters and, um, you know, uh, just a few other names I'll just add to that, which may just, you know, heighten. And people who who know their cycling out there would know these names, but people who don't, uh, trust us, these are are big names in cycling. They may not be the Chris Frooms, you know, or the Mark Cavendish, but you only only get those marquee names because of uh, of marquee results and performances but these guys are great riders such as if I can add to Aaron's list already what about uh, Simon Gerrans you mentioned that Richie Port Rowan Dennis Jack Roberts we've spoken about him Simon Clark who's now racing for uh, Cannondale uh, absolutely um, uh, Sergio Haneo, um from Sky Garrett Thomas who's going to be possibly uh, read a story today to Chris Froome saying you never know me and Garrett could be co-leaders for the Tour de France this year uh, oh, not, that, not that old chestnut 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the Colombian uh, Jarlison Pantano, who's been uh, training in Colombia with Orica Green Edge uh, superstar in the making, uh, Esteban Chavez. And Chavez reports that Pantano has been absolutely blitzing it in training. Um, the Italian uh, Domenico Pozzovivo, Spaniard Luis Leon Sanchez, Martin Villas, Diego Ulissi, who came third three years ago, Thomas de Ghent. Yes, yes. Juan Jose Lobato, you know, uh, and then looking at some of these other sprinters, Walter Whippets, Brenton Jones, give him a rap because he's been coming second behind Caleb so many times. It'd be great to get a good result. Jose Joaquin Rojas um, from Movistar, they always come to the two down under with winning intent. Ben Swift, uh, Adam uh, Blythe, uh, still Von Hoff. We've got to remember the Hofster, and as you said, Marco Kump. I mean, uh, and Caleb. I mean, I reckon that's uh, that's a cracker field, and I'm sure between the two of us we've missed some names oh we, we i'm sure we have i mean there's there's i'm excited to see nathan earl um see what he can do uh at draft pack you mentioned Brenton jones you know he he takes that role that walter whippet had last year whippet he won with stage six last year um and that's a race that uh that obviously Brenton is 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 keenly suited for and of course with a lead out guy such as graham brown um he's going to uh, Graham's going to put him right in the driver's seat. It'll be up to Brenton to finish that off. There's a lot of great riders there. You mentioned Diego Ulysses definitely is it should be on everyone's radar for, for GC, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, uh, Tolwalunga Hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think out of those names, I've been also. You know, I mean, we did mention Garen Thomas, but I mean, he's got proven form at this race, and it's a World Tour race, and that's what people got to remember too. It is a World Tour race, so there's points up for grabs, and with that, it's not just the points for the individuals and the teams, but it's also positioning of team cars for the next World Tour event. So if you win the two down under, you'll be number one car. You don't want to be number 18 car. So there's a lot to be gained in so many ways at a World Tour race. So, you know, people who are saying that, uh, you know, the two down unders are uh, in, in trouble because of this, uh, I don't think so. And I think the, uh, the riders make a race, and I think they will make a great job of this race, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. You know, Aaron, uh, I guess we could, as always, we could be talking all day about uh, what's coming up and what's behind us um you know i'm really excited for the next week uh you know we're going to touch base with you uh, obviously um for another episode of the show it's going to be interesting as always to find out who's done what or not How, what are your vibes right now when you we're at the dawn of 2016 the cycling season oh i think this could be it just seems to it's got a feel to it especially when when you look at what jack bowbridge did last weekend it just has some sort of specialness i think some sort of uh feel to it this year that it's going to be a great season and and i think as you just mentioned tour down under is is truly one of the 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 better races out there in in terms of the athletes it's uh, the hotel simply located it's great for the media um also the media center right there one hotel all week long it's uh and, and adelaide really does show up to support the race i'm excited i think this could really set the tone for the rest of the year already talking to a lot of these athletes as, as you have uh prior to this race and prior to the season everyone just seems to be ready for it i think we've i think we've been out of business too long since uh since uh the world champs in september i think it's uh time to get back into it yeah, I agree, I agree. And I also think that teams in, uh, are learning how to manage their, their roster better to be able to, you know, you know, coming to a 
Australia is a long trip, but they've learned how to come here. They they, can't, they travel here well, you know. They get looked after and uh, they appreciate that. And they know that now how to um, manage each rider's season uh, for their for their good health and also f- to get the uh, optimal performances out of their riders so they don't not over raced either. And and I think um, you know for that alone, the teams can come here with more confidence and a bit more sort of intent rather than just. Uh, I remember the early two down unders, they would just roll around and, uh, you know, try and um, use it as a training camp. You can't do that anymore. There's too much at stake. If you do, you earn race director Mike Turtis Ross. We've seen him in the early races. He would kick riders off the race and send them back economy. They'd come here business and they'd be sent back on economy. But that's maybe another story for uh, for another episode. Um, Aaron, as always, mate, it's been great talking to you. Um, really look forward to chatting to you again. And uh, as you said, I think it's going to be a fantastic season. And uh, uh, one last word, Aaron, before we sign off. Well, I'd just like to say, uh, look, uh, uh, have a great week down there. Obviously, some some of our, our colleagues, it's a it's a real showcase for everyone, especially uh, the cycling scene uh, there in Australia and down under. So just enjoy it. It's a great week to catch up with old friends, make a couple of new ones along the way, and obviously cover some of the world's absolute best cycling anywhere. And uh, I'm a bit jealous right now, but uh, I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll do my best to get over it. Well, we did say that there. The, uh, the event is lacking some marquee names. You're one of them, Aaron Esley. But I reckon, I reckon you'll be you'll be coming back, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this race too. It's going to be my last gig for the Sydney Morning Herald after nine point one months uh, of fabulous time, nine years and one month of the Herald. But uh, we'll speak about that another day, uh, another episode. But uh, it's going to be a thrill. It's going to be a great week, and uh, as we said, I'm sure by the end of it, we'll be saying, "What a ride." You're listening to Rupert Guinness and Aaron Esley. Thanks for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed this ride as much as we did. And look after yourself out there. Keep smiling. Enjoy what you do every day. And most importantly, stay safe. A meter matters.
Just like heaven 